You are listening to Believe, Strive, Achieve, Endurance Podcast with Diogo Custodio. If this is your first time listening, then thanks so much for coming. Get ready and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Believe, Strive, Achieve, Endurance Podcast. My name is Diogo. Today, we have Alistair Chappelle. He's one of our coach athletes. Alistair, welcome to our podcast. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure for us. Um, for those who don't know Alistair, before triathlon, he did uh, high-performance rowing, and I would like to start this conversation with you um, with that. Um, Alistair, how did you end up doing rowing and reaching the high-performance level in rowing? Uh, well, that's a great question. Um, I guess it kind of goes all the way back to sort of my early teenage years at school, um, and I... I guess grew relatively late. So I was relatively small for a year. I was also kind of quite young for my year. And the school I went to was a big rugby school. Um, and so by the time I was, I don't know, 13, 14, I'd sort of got fed up of having the uh, living daylights beaten out of me three or four times a week in the rugby pitches. And uh, And so I kind of quit the rugby squads at the school and for whatever reason, I picked another sport where you also need to be big to be good at it, which was rowing. Um, and it kind of it just really hooked me in. Like I, I guess I really kind of fell in love with the sport. And so, kind of by the sort of end of my school career, so in sixth form, I was you know on the water six days a week. Uh, I raced the home international regatta for Scotland, um, I guess my home country. And so it kind of it sort of builds on from there. Um, I, I went up to university and they had a big, uh, huge rowing program in general. It's uh, Cambridge. Uh, you know, and they also have, um, oh, I guess, the heavyweight boat race that everyone's probably seen on TV uh, every mm-hmm. you know, April. And there's a women's boat race, which, again, is now televised, which is a fantastic development. And then there's lightweight boat races for both the men and the women. Um, so for the women, that's a, a 59 kilo maximum. For the men, it's a 70 kilo average and a 72 and a half kilo maximum. Um, and that was kind of about kind of where I was. And so I kind of, uh, signed up for this squad, you know, to go and try and race for the university uh, and to kind of put that into context, you start out the year with 40, 50, maybe a bit more kind of athletes that are all competing to be in the blue boat, you know, in the boat that goes out and races Oxford, you know, sometime in the spring. Um, and through the course of the year, uh, I mean, it was pretty brutal, but, you know, they talk about athletes being binned where essentially the coach says, you know, like, hey, you know, we don't think you're going to make the cut this year. You know, please don't come back to training again tomorrow. Uh, and so that squad kind of gets smaller and smaller. So you start out with, you know, 40, 50, whatever, in the kind of the first weeks of term before term starts. And you might be down to 20 or so by Christmas, uh, and then you'd select down to the eight and to the like the spares sometime probably in the like early new year so january february time um and for me it was uh sort of a baptism by fire in many ways mm-hmm. 
like you know it was a hugely competitive and challenging environment um you know so you kind of go into you know from a in my case a schoolboy rowing perspective and you're suddenly there competing against you know athletes that are three the best in the country years your senior and have had sort of a very solid training regime for the you know the previous three four five years whatever it happens to be and so particularly in my uh, second year was, the, I guess, the first year I kind of trialed really seriously. Uh, I was somewhere near the bottom of the squad and getting an absolute kicking. Um, and you, you're kind of going through 11, 12 training sessions a week. You know, a mixture between ergos, so on the rowing machine, in the gym. Um, there's a, like a, a lot in the water, obviously, in various boats. And then there's... Uh, you know, strength and conditioning sessions. There might be yoga sessions. There are a couple of kind of runs and bike rides that we had particularly earlier on in the season. Um, and just hugely, hugely hard. But the the thing that I found, re- well, a few things I found that were quite helpful. One was there was always a an expectation that you had to hit certain physiological targets if you're going to make the crew. Um, yeah, and for the boat, that was really if you could pull a 2K ergometer test. So that's kind of like the gold standard for most rowers that was going to be under 6 minutes 30, um, you know, at weight. So at that kind of 70 kilo kind of crew average kind of weight. Um, and certainly in my second year, when I started out, it was, I don't know, 15, 16 seconds adrift of that in terms of what my PB was at the time. And so you have this kind of benchmark that you're always kind of pushing and always striving for. And the same way in the water, you could work out who the very quickest uh, members of the squad were. And you just spent the entire session, or certainly I did, trying to match and replicate as many bits of their technique as you possibly could to you know push yourself on and on and on. Um, and so my second year, I uh, ended up as one of the reserves for the race. Um, had done pretty well in the seat racing where you kind of compared various rowers kind of side by side, uh, but also had quite a few sort of injuries and niggles and all the rest of it, particularly my back uh, through kind of December and January. Um, and so kind of was in that reserve crew through the kind of the end of that season. In my third year, uh, like I really took this big step on. Um, I spent a lot of the summer cycling, uh, hugely and that kind of really helped the, like, I guess, physiological performance um, was much, much stronger in the ergo, much, much stronger in the gym, and was kind of well inside those kind of benchmarks that we needed to hit from a phys- physiological perspective. Uh, the tricky bit that year was uh, I had a small accident in training camps. So this was sort of January 2009. Uh, I sort of fallen over running to the lake in the morning. Um, and dislocated my right shoulder, which was uh, not particularly fun, um, but it was kind of put back in and then uh, made probably the, I guess, one of the worst and best decisions I've ever made in my life, and I trained on it for the next three months, um, which was pretty uncomfortable. But, <laughs> um, you know, I, I guess it pushes you hugely, hugely hard, but it builds up a, a huge amount of mental resilience at the same time. Um, and went on, I was in the 
uh, three-seater that crew, so in the middle of the boat, uh, we won the race, which was amazing. And then we had this sort of fantastic summer season afterwards where we uh, won a couple of medals at the British University Championships. So we won the eight by 10 seconds, which is kind of like a lifetime from a rowing perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd raced lightweight four, and we raced what was the GB squad at the time, and uh, I, I guess they beat us by a third or a length, maybe a, a second or so over the course. And again, kind of way, way out in front of you know most of the other crews that were kind of racing. Um, and we kind of took that on through uh, some of the other major regattas of the summer, which was amazing. We went to Henley Royal. Um, we went to the uh, European universities in Krzyzewka in Poland. Um, this was sort of September, August time uh, and came back with the bronze medal from that. Impressive. Um, which is kind of cool. My fourth year, I was the president of the club um, and uh, I guess saw it from the other side where you have this you know, group of fantastically committed and sort of ambitious athletes that are coming in and it's really about how you sort of craft uh, that kind of squad and the crew from all the various parts to kind of build together this hopefully winning team. Um, we did win in 2010, albeit by two feet, which was particularly uncomfortable because um, no one knew who'd won when we crossed the finish line. Um, and, you know, kind of a slightly different challenge. Um, uh, but through that, I guess my journey was quite interesting. Certainly in the early days, it used to be particularly when you're kind of competing with everyone else in the squad and you kind of felt like you're towards the bottom end of it. There was almost this huge pressure that you turned up and you pushed every single session absolutely as hard as you possibly could. Um, you know, I guess, and we're always kind of joking that, you know, it must be aerobic if you can do it for an hour, which I suppose it was, but it was absolutely on threshold. Um, you know, through and that kind of transition through towards the end where we had a bit more respect and sense for it, where we were taking some of the the easy sessions much easier. And but that meant you were able to go much harder in the hard sessions, and actually, everyone was uh, much faster, much stronger as a result from it. How, how old were you when the um... When that, when that happened, when you realized that the easy stuff is to go easy and the hard ones is to push very, very, very hard? Uh, I would have been 20, 21 at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but in some ways, it was a great lesson. And in some ways, a culture that I, I really miss, and it was purely focused around performance. But every single session had a a focus. It had an intent. You had a structure that you knew you were going to absolutely follow, and everyone did absolutely follow. Uh, and really, it was sort of learning over time that you need to have that structured training program. You need to have the periodization. You need to have some sessions that are easier and some sessions that are like harder, where you're really trying to push the boundaries of what you can achieve. And if you're kind of putting all of that together and you're kind of really trusting in the coach, you're really following the program through, the speed kind of pops out at the end. Um, you know, but it obviously takes the months and months of hard work to actually get there. Um, but obviously, you do get the rewards you know, towards the end of it all. And um, what made you move to triathlon after the, this, success, this success in, um, in rowing? 
Yeah, good question. Um, a few things. So I guess I graduated from university um, and at that point I've been sort of training every day for rowing for nearly a decade. Um, and so I had a bit of a break. And one of the things I found uh, with a job rather than when I was you know, turning up for three or four hours of lectures a day is trying to fit rowing around kind of a full-time, you know, 40, 50, whatever hours a week, your working commitments plus commuting plus whatever else was really challenging. Um, And so I had a kind of a couple of years of not really quite being at the speed that I wanted to be at, not really quite enjoying it at the same level and had kind of committed to getting back to kind of the boat race kind of fitness for what was going to be my final, final, final year of rowing. I decided in, uh, would have been 2014. Um, and unfortunately, I had a pretty huge bike accident uh, commuting in uh, February of that year. Uh, ended up fracturing my skull in a few places. Uh, spent a month-ish in hospital um, doing absolutely nothing and sort of all that fitness kind of evaporated. Uh, and so I kind of just hung it up after that. I kind of walked away from the sport. Um, but I kind of, I like I'd always cycled. I'd always run a little bit. Uh, I could swim when I was a teenager and kind of that kind of bug to kind of get back into doing some endurance sports. It was biting pretty hard even six, seven months on from that. Um, and so I was cycling three times a week. I started swimming, uh, which was... Uh, like simulated drowning to start um, uh, and kind of kind of really built on from there. Uh, but there was, I guess, a couple of years ago, I uh, went out in one of the amazing Try Training Harder. Thank uh, you. <laughs> you were there, Diogo. Uh, and I just really loved it. Uh, and I was sort of ready at that point to kind of recommit to like the, uh, I guess a training program where you're going to try and deliver all the sessions absolutely as intended. Uh, I'd had a go at trying to write my own training plan uh, that had failed miserably, not because it wasn't a good training plan, but because I couldn't follow what I'd written for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it kind of made tons of sense to start working with someone, obviously uh, started working with Philip and that's been going uh, fantastically ever since. This was in 2017, if I'm not wrong. And um, as long as I can remember, you were an amazing cyclist. So you had all the coaches doing turns to see who's going to ride with you. Um, just to see, just for those who are listening to this podcast, just to see how, how strong you are on the bike. Um, would you say that the rowing played a huge role on your performance on cycling? For sure. Um... And vice versa the other way. Like I'd always ridden bikes. um, And actually, one of the things that probably helped my rowing, particularly in the school days, was I was out on mountain bikes a couple of times a week. Um, But it is all that kind of that base fitness and kind of knowing what you're expected to do and just being able to deliver consistent power levels for your extended periods of time. you know, kind of really, really helps. But certainly from a rowing perspective, it really tunes your ability to you know, sit and work hard for you know a couple of hours at a go, um, you know, slightly longer in some cases. And 
uh, particularly to have that sort of six minute kind of race effort. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I have uh, fond memories of uh, racing Alan up some of the hills. <laughs> that was on a hill rep today. <laughs> I was going to say, who won some? I won some. Uh, everyone was happy. I have a very good memory um, from both of us in the last bike ride towards Javali. So for those who have been in the camps, they know that the Wednesday ride is the last one we do. And it's not a flat ride at all. And um, I remember cycling with you and I was having my big year in the front. And um, to be honest with you, I was giving my best to to drop you. (laughs) And um, when I reached the top, we well, we both reached the top almost at the same time, and I had to turn back to get the other guests to the top of the hill. And I remember you asking me, "Are we going back again?" "Yep, it's my job." Okay, I'll just sit here and have a gel because I need some rest. But trust me, that was one of the biggest efforts I have to do to drop someone. And uh, after one week uh, of training camp, is is hard. Um, but I think that's one of my biggest accomplishments. So sorry for that, Alistair. Um, but anyway, you just said that you, you have been coached by Philip, and um, I know that Philip is a very good coach. Um, I also know that you like to be involved in the process of the, the training plan and to understand what you're doing. Um, you think this is an important thing for an athlete to understand the process of training, uh, why they are doing those sessions, uh, what's the purpose of it? Yeah, I think it's always important to have an understanding of kind of the why and at some level the what as well. Um, it's, uh, I guess one of the things I'm probably most comfortable with and most familiar with from a cycling perspective, but one, certainly one of the things I've particularly learned from Philip is, uh, sort of that from a running, um, side of things, I guess if I think back maybe even five, six years ago, when I used to go out for a run, I used to run as fast as I possibly could for, you know, whatever the distance happened to be. And so I didn't really understand running anything less than a heart rate of like 180, 190 kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And one of the really sort of interesting things for me over the last you know, few years is kind of learning that actually you should go and run you're much easier, much slower, that you can kind of really focus on that form. And, and yes, you do have those hard sessions, but you know, really the speed kind of does get delivered from that and does pop out again, which I guess is the the same lesson from the you know, rowing back in the days as well. You know, you can't you can't go out and absolutely thrash yourself every single session and expect to be at kind of your peak or to really improve. Um, and the thing is, you you are not a professional triathlete. Um, you work around, I would say, 40, 50 hours a week. Uh, yeah, on on good weeks. Um, some weeks are worse, and yeah, I guess kind of the easier weeks are about that. And I know that the, in terms of amount of hours you train a week is around 20, the average. Um, how can you combine the work and the training uh, schedule on a daily basis? Because we know that some athletes say they don't have enough time to, to do at least 10 hours of training a week. However, you are able to, to manage 20 hours of training plus 40, 50 hours of work. How, how do you do that? Um, good question. So I think it's a few things. One. It's about trying to set the sessions up in a way that really fits around your life. Um, yeah, so I guess not at the moment, but I was doing 
uh, a, a decent number of bike miles and certainly bike hours a week commuting to and from work. Uh, and you might then do, I was doing sort of one turbo and one longer ride at the weekend last year. And that had me in you know, sufficient kind of bike shape to be you know, very, very near the front end of any of the races and probably one of the quickest, if not the quickest over the bike course. Um, you know, so it's about trying to make it kind of easy for yourself. One of the things that Philip and I have been sort of experimenting with is trying to find uh, swim sessions with you know, other people at kind of the right times of the day. So again, kind of pre-COVID, I'd moved uh, to a slightly different swim squad that kind of swam in the mornings um, in London uh, and actually was finding that quite a lot easier where you could get kind of a swim session done at the start of the day rather than you're trying to fit something in at seven, eight, nine o'clock in the evening, which was always kind of quite tough. Um, so I guess I'd really focus around making it kind of work for you. And so I think that was a thing I found hard about rowing in a sort of post full-time athlete in sort of university world where you absolutely have to be there at certain times for certain sessions with the rest of the squad. And that was just uh, very hard to manage. Um, but the beauty of triathlon is you can obviously fit it around you know, the rest of what you do. Mm-hmm. And the second thing for me is uh, I love the sessions onto the form of escapism from the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, if you're on the track running, if you're out in the hills with whomever you're cycling with, if you're uh, deep in purgatory in one of the turbo sessions that Philip sets, yeah, it, like that's almost the only thing that matters at the time. And it's just, you know, you versus Erg Mode and Zwift or the Power Targets and Zwift or the other people or whomever else. You're trying to compete, trying to get through it, trying to deliver it as best you can. And for me, actually, I find that's a fantastic set of balance where almost you look forward to the sessions because it's the relief from kind of work and your brain kind of switches over to something else. But then vice versa, that you can be you know excited about getting back to work and kind of thinking about whatever problems you're kind of trying to work through um, you know, after the end of the session. Um, and, and so for me, it's kind of that balance that kind of really works and really makes sense. Um, you have mentioned previously on, the, on our talk, and uh, even now you mentioned the group effect on the training. We know that triathlon is an individual um, sport. However, some athletes prefer to train alone. Some others prefer to train in the group. Um, would you say that the group environment, the group uh, work, is important for the success of uh, of your own um, sport, for your own performance? Uh, yeah, for sure, um, and. I think, I mean, I guess the the learning from, I guess, everything is in certain sessions. Um, you know, if, you're, if you've been set a, an easy run, I guess I've been doing a lot of them of late, you, know, you don't necessarily want to have other people there because you want to run to what you think is easy to your pace targets, your heart rate targets, your power targets, kind of whatever. Um, you know, so for those easy sessions, actually, I think it's, it can be good to have other people if that's kind of what keeps you motivated and keeps you social. But in the harder sessions, there's uh, no greater motivator than you know, the point at which you are hanging on for dear life trying not to get dropped or that you're, you're competing with you know, whomever else to win the sprint, the hill, the laps around the track, the kind of whatever it happens to be. And so f- from my perspective, like having a group environment with a good group of other athletes 
really helps you to kind of push the like the edge of the envelope from a performance perspective. I, th I think you are totally right. Um, I know that you were qualified for New Zealand um, this year that has been postponed for next year. Is that, am I correct? It has indeed. It's uh, nominally sometime in February or March, but they haven't set a date yet. Yeah. What, do, what can we expect from you in that race? <laughs> well, I guess one will need to see when the race exactly happens. Um, <laughs> <True>. <laughs> uh, and I guess everyone's kind of hoping that it happens. Um, uh, for me, uh, like triathlon has always been, uh, or certainly my strongest part of it is definitely the bike. Uh, I would always describe myself as being a relatively mediocre swimmer and certainly not as quick as the very quickest of the runners. Um, so certainly my aim would be almost to survive the swim, to get on the bike, to have a really strong bike leg, hopefully come back you know, very near the front of the race and um, try and settle in for a decent half marathon run. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd, I guess... Set some targets with Philip, and um, we'd like to be well inside the top ten from an age group perspective. But we'll uh, see quite how that pans out. And we are going to be here trying to support you as much as we can. Um, what do you think is the key uh, for a successful relationship between a, an athlete and a coach? And I know that you and Philip have a very good relationship in terms of um, training schedule and uh, performance. What do you think is the the key for that? Or um, coach. I mean, really, communication. Like, I think everything comes back to it. It's, uh, you know, I guess being honest for as an athlete with how you're feeling, how certain sessions are, kind of what works for you and what doesn't. You know, and certainly some of the conversations that Philip and I had last year were, you know, I just couldn't fit in some of the turbos that I was trying to fit in sort of over lunchtime in some of the days. And just having to cut them short. Uh, and so we kind of changed the program around to try and, you know, I guess tailor that better to, you know, my life and kind of work balance and kind of everything else to really kind of get there. And equally, there's also times where, um, you know, you're not feeling great or you've picked up certain niggles and certainly I've had lots of run niggles. And uh, I think it's also kind of that trust in both directions that if philip says you know maybe actually you shouldn't be running or you should be doing something kind of less or whatever else it, it's kind of it's okay to take the sessions off and kind of miss things and that will be you know, better for you in the long term yeah so as i said communication trust um and obviously it takes you know sorry diogo i was going to say it takes quite a long time to really understand how both parties kind of really work and how they function and how they think it's funny because i wrote a blog i think it was last year about this the relationship between coach and athlete and i compared this relationship to a marriage uh, it takes time that's it it takes time to understand the other person to understand how they work how they, they think and just like a marriage communication is a key and i'm not married so um but i think it's one of the best compassions you can have because at the end of the day, this is a, a relationship between two two persons, and uh, it's very, very important, as you said. Um, Alistair, is full distance in your mind? Um, it just looks a really long way. Like, 
the swim okay the bike could be fine but I, so i've never actually run a marathon um and in fact i think i've run a half marathon distance maybe five times in my life uh of which a bunch of them have been in races um the first time i ran that distance i i hadn't run more than 5k uh in one go in like three or four years and went out and run a half marathon i've been baited to do it by a couple of colleagues um and they hurt quite a bit so i guess at some level i'm slightly scared of you know what that race would really be like to you know to really try and perform through it mm-hmm. and the other thing i think would be tough would just be like the volume of training to have the specificity for you know uh 180 kilometer bike or a marathon run um, would be a yeah certainly a big time commitment. So I'm not saying no, but uh, not for the next few years anyway. Not for now, yeah. Anyway, Alistair, I think um, we have learned quite a lot from you. My last question for you is: if you could go back in time when you start growing or when you start triathlon, would be anything or something that you would change in the process if you could? Uh. I wish I could tell myself some of the lessons I've learned over time. Uh, the two biggest ones being take the easy sessions easy and you know, you don't need to try and compete to you know do it as hard as you possibly can. And the second one is to really focus on the recovery. Um, I guess one of the few things I particularly regret from rowing days at university was not spending enough time sleeping essentially and trying to get through the terms on, you know, about six hours sleep a night, probably on average. And I kind of really wonder if I'd actually been aiming more for seven, eight, whatever, if I had ended up being a faster and better athlete with better results from it all. Um, The things you never knew, right? I guess you learn over time just how important the recovery is. I think it's the... um... With age, we, we learn those, uh, those things, uh, with the experience, of course. Alistair, thank you so much. You have been an amazing guest. Um, I hope to, to see you soon here on the UK. And um, if we don't talk before that, best of luck for the, the next season. Very good. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. The Believe Strive Achieve podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment. And show notes are found at trytrainingharder.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Try Training Harder. Thanks for listening.